Chapter 79 Total squirmed inside my jacket like a gopher in a hole. We were super high, keeping a lookout for planes, making our way across France. We hadn't bothered with the Itex plant in England, since it was just a single head of the Hydra. We knew there were about four different Itex plants in Germany, including its world headquarters, and that's where we were headed. But this little dog was about to make me lose my mind. He squirmed again. I resisted the temptation to unzip my jacket and let him discover the joy and excitement of free-falling. He took a breath and sniffed a little. Here it comes, I thought. It's like you have no soul, Total said. Total, we've been over this, I said impatiently. We checked out the Itex plant in St. Jean de Severe. Total grimaced at my pronunciation, making me want to smack him. We're on a mission to check out the main headquarters in Germany. There was no Itex plant in Paris. Thus, going to Paris makes no sense. No, it's only the center of world culture, he said. The home of some of the best food on the planet. Fashion, art, architecture. Ah, Versailles. He sounded like he was about to cry. I rolled my eyes. And yet, no Itex plant, I said pointedly. I wouldn't mind seeing Paris, said Nudge. I saw this guidebook back at the library. They had little canal boats you could take on tours, and fancy gardens, and that Louvre museum, and palaces, and all kinds of stuff. She looked at me hopefully. Toto had taught both the girls how to use crocodile tears, and now Angel turned grieving eyes on me. I steeled myself, waiting to feel her infiltrate my brain, but she didn't. That I could tell. Life is so short, Angel said sadly. So short and so hard. The idea of seeing the City of Light just once. Oh, for God's sake, I muttered. It would make almost everything seem worthwhile, she finished. Yes, because what's a life of degradation and torture compared with a charming bistro on the Champs-Élysées? I asked, sarcasm dripping. Total grimaced again. Exactly, Angel said excitedly. That's what I'm talking about. It all becomes unimportant when you're standing at, like, sacre Gore. I knew I was beaten. If I didn't give in, not only would I have to listen to two children, a hulking disaster, and a dog whining at me all the way to Germany, but once we got there, no one would be able to concentrate on the mission. Plus, I was expecting the voice to pop in at any second with some sage fortune cookie advice, like, See what Paris has to offer, or what's the lesson you can learn from this, or maybe you'll find a bright, shiny clue to something right there at the Arc de Triomphe. I looked down. Far below us, the million lights of Paris were obvious. It was the biggest city in the country and sparkled like a diamond. An expensive, time-consuming, no doubt pointless diamond. I rode my forehead with one hand. Oh, all right, I muttered. Fine. We'll spend a couple hours in Paris. I tried to block out the whoops of joy. Looking at Ari, I realized he hadn't weighed in. In general, he kept his thoughts to himself, as if he didn't deserve to have an opinion. Nudge and Angel still didn't look at him or interact with him. I also knew that Paris would be one of the last fun things he did in his life. Let's find some place to sleep, I said 
as we angled downward through the night. Chapter 80 Here's the weird thing. We hadn't seen hide nor hair of an eraser or a white coat or a flyboy chasing us since we'd split from Fang and the others. We still had me, Angel, Total, Ari, of all the if factors that could possibly be tracked. And yet the last several days had been one grande vacance, as we say here in Gay Paris. So, what was different? Just that Fang, Gazzy, and Iggy weren't here. It was crazy. I wondered what they were doing. If they were, like, on a beach or partying somewhere or whatever. Completely forgetting about us. Not missing us. Part of me was dying to find an internet cafe and at least read Fang's latest blog entry. Maybe I could get some idea of where they were and what they were doing. But the bigger, self-righteous part of me refused to acknowledge my burning curiosity. OMG! Nudge squealed, putting a flimsy, arty scarf around her neck. This is fabulous! And so suitable for an eraser to grab and yank, thus breaking your neck, I struggled not to say. Instead, I nodded unenthusiastically, hoping she would read between the lines. This is what I'm talking about, Total said happily. He leaned his front paws on the marble table and pulled his chocolate pastry toward him. I'm sitting here. I'm eating. An angel didn't have to control anyone's mind. This is civilization. Dogs are allowed in most restaurants in Paris, in case you haven't picked up on that. We were sitting at a tiny marble-topped table outside a cafe. People streamed past us, not turning into erasers or whatever would come after erasers. It is really neat, Nudge said, looping her scarf around her neck so it wouldn't dip into her coffee. How many of these can I have? She was on her third pastry. I shrugged. However many you can eat without barfing. Okay, as a mom, I'm unconventional, I admit. Especially since I'm only 14 and didn't actually give birth to any of these guys. I wish... Angel began, then stopped. She pulled her cafe alouette over and took a sip. I wish everyone was here with us. I heard in my mind, and it wasn't the voice. I nodded at Angel. Me too. I thought back. What are we going to do after this? Nudge asked. How about the Louvre? I shook my head. Too enclosed, too much security, too many people. There isn't enough Valium in the world to get me in there. The Eiffel Tower is open, and hi, said Angel. I nodded. It's a possibility. I checked my watch. You guys have four hours? Then we have to bug out of here. Nudge snapped me a salute. Yevol! Total started choking with laughter, and Ari and Angel both grinned. Everyone knows what the Eiffel Tower looks like. But in person, it's so much bigger. All this lacy steel and iron swooping up and up into the sky. It was so tempting to just fly to the top, but instead, we waited in an endless line and took a crowded elevator to the top. And you know how much I like being packed in small places with other people. But once we were at the top, the view was magnificent. Right below us was the Seine River, with its houseboats and tour boats. From up there, we could see everything, all the major landmarks, like the Arc de Triomphe and the Louvre Museum. Paris stretched as far as we could see. 
I had to admit, Paris was really beautiful. The buildings all seemed so old and fancy, and really pretty in a non-American kind of way. I wish the guys could see it. I hope you guys can see it someday, too, if it's still standing after the white coats try to destroy the world. Of course, Nudge made a shop. At least street stands weren't as claustrophobia-inducing as enclosed stores. All along the scene were little stalls, selling books and flowers, and I felt as if we were in the movie with subtitles. I waited with saintly patience as Nudge and Angel sorted through t-shirts and hats and books and French that we couldn't carry, much less read. Ari tried on a leather jacket. His old one was shredded and bloodstained. The stall vendor looked at Ari warily. Then Angel distracted him, and he didn't seem to notice Ari anymore. It's you, I said, watching him shrug it on. Is it comfortable? He grimaced. Nothing's comfortable when you're built like this. He gestured to his hulking, overdeveloped muscles, the lumpy wings that didn't fold in perfectly, neatly, like ours. I stepped behind him to smooth out the collar, and that's when I saw it again, the expiration date on the back of his neck. His time was coming, very, very soon. You know what? I was glad I'd shown him Paris. Chapter 81 You know that other strange thing about Europe? It's wincy. It was like, oops, I blinked, and there goes Belgium. All of Western Europe could fit into America, east of the Mississippi. Flying from England to France took about 30 minutes. Crossing over France took about 6 hours. It had taken us almost 8 hours to cross Texas, back in America. Anyway, here's my one-note take on Germans. They're scrubbers. Who boy, we're talking a tidy little country. France? Not so much. Okay, no one leave their socks lying around, I instructed, as we drifted to a landing outside a town called Lindingham. That would send them right over the edge. Lindingham seemed to have been designed by the Germany team at Epcot. I kept expecting Bambi to pop out from behind a bush. There was so much carved gingerbread on houses that my stomach growled. The one main road through town led uphill to an incredible medieval castle. You guessed it. Itex. Store lording it over the peasants, in their way. This is too cute, Total said, hopping down from my arms. I want to start planting window boxes or something. The hills are alive, Nudge warbled, spreading her arms wide. With the sound of- Okay, listen up. I broke in. The castle is through these trees. Let's do a quick recon, and then decide what to do next. I set off into the woods, pushing aside the picturesque German underbrush. Frankly, I'd expected a German forest to be a little tidier than this. Wait, don't tell me, Total said, trotting after me. We're gonna break in, steal some stuff, break some stuff, almost get caught, and then escape in some dangerous, dramatic way. I set my jaw, trying to ignore Nudge's giggle. Maybe, I said tightly. You got a better plan? He was silent for a few moments. Well, no. I know you might not believe this, but slogging through a foreign European forest in the dead of night with an X-Eraser, a talking dog, and two kids who depend on you for their lives. Well, not as much fun as you'd think. But maybe that's just my negativity talking. Once again... I was forcibly reminded of what slow and hard work walking is, compared with flying. 
but I didn't want to take a chance of being seen, not this close to the castle. For all I knew, they had watchtowers or radars or searchlights. Possibly all three. But we finally made it, standing at the edge of the woods, looking across the moat at the thick, high castle wall. I felt like this was the most castly castle I'd ever seen. It was all pointy and chock full of turrets, with narrow slits for cute Robin Hood arrows and other windows with many tiny panes of glass. Of course, the floodlights and razor wire at the top of the wall detracted a bit from its charm, but if you squinted, they faded away a little. There's an iron gate, whispered Nudge, pointing. We can see through it. Yep. Sticking to the shadows, we half-crouched, half-crawled toward the castle, checking carefully for tripwires or hidden traps. When we were within thirty feet of the gate, the sound of marching feet made us freeze, bellies to the ground. My raptor vision showed me the next generation of erasers goose-stepping in the courtyard. I saw just as clearly the lines of people marching after them, fierce expressions on their face. But there was something odd about them, not entirely human. And then I saw my old clone double, Max Two, who had tried to replace me, who Jeb had tried to make me kill. She was back. Chapter 82 Standing next to me, Ari had gone rigid, his eyes locked on the Max clone. I remembered that they had been an anti-real Max team and felt my stomach tighten. My vigilance about Ari cranked up a couple notches. While I pondered this revolting development, Nudge elbowed me in the ribs. Oh my god, she whispered. Do you see that? Yep, I said, watching Max too grimly. We meet again. What do you mean? We've never seen her before, said Nudge. I turned and looked at Nudge. Hello? You don't remember that topsy-turvy day when I tried to cook and offered to fix your hair? Nudge frowned. Yeah, that was Max too. That's not what I'm talking about. Look. Four rows behind her. I looked. Then I saw what Nudge meant. There was a Nudge, too, marching along with an un-Nudge-like solemnity. Other than that, she looked exactly like her. Holy moly, I breathed, hardly able to believe it. Uh-oh, said Angel quietly, then pointed. I swallowed a groan and dropped my head into my hands for a second. Excellent. Just what the world needed. Another angel. Because God knows one six-year-old mind-controlling flying child just isn't enough. I don't believe it, said Nudge. There's another me. And another me, said Angel. Was everyone here a clone? Maybe not, but they were all mutants of some kind, I was willing to bet. What, I'm not important enough to have a double? Total sounded completely offended. No, let's not clone the dog. He's just a dog after all. I rubbed his head behind his ears, but he huffed and flopped over on the grass. I don't have a double either, said Ori. So Jeb hadn't cloned his son. How sentimental of him. Are they going to replace us, like they did with you? Nudge asked. Yes, I said. But we'll catch on immediately when the new Nudge is silent and mopey and the new angel acts like an actual six-year-old. They smiled, and I congratulated myself on my ability to keep their spirits up, even in the face of this new atrocity. Actually, I went on, let's come up with a code or phrase to use with one another. 
when we need to make absolutely sure we're the right ones, okay? Okay, said Nudge. Oh, I've got one, said Angel, and we put our heads together as she whispered it. Perfect, said Nudge, breaking into a smile. I laughed silently and slapped her a very quiet high five. Ari grinned and nodded. Even Total's furry black face seemed to smile. So what was the secret word? Yeah, like I'm going to tell you. Hey, and thanks for listening to another episode of Maximum Crime, a Maximoid bootleg audiobook podcast thing. I am your all of it, Marky, and sorry about the shorter episode this week. As you can probably hear, my voice is kind of sore and scratchy, but hopefully I can have that cleared up by next week. I don't know. It hurts to narrate for too long, and then it gets kind of crunchy, so sorry. Okay, I didn't have any comments or anything this week, so we will just head right into the recommendation. This week's recommendation is the podcast The Amelia Project. It is a podcast about this group of people who fake people's deaths in very weird and very interesting ways because everybody has an incredibly weird reason for wanting to disappear. It's kind of got a gallows humor, dark humor type of thing to it. It's really good though. Uh, They just started their fourth season, I believe. So there's a bit of backlog, but... Overall, it's really funny, and I really like the characters. I think they're fun and interesting. And I can't wait to see where they take this next season. So if you want to listen along with me, that is the podcast The Amelia Project, and I will leave a link in the show notes for that. If you want to get in contact with me, you can email me at MaximumCrimePod at gmail.com, or you can hit me up on my Tumblr over at Maximum-Crime-Pod. And if you want to leave a rating review on your podcatcher of choice, that would be super cool of you. Okay, I think that's everything. Uh, I'm going to go go to bed and maybe try to rest my voice some. Alrighty, I think that's all I got to say for this time. So, until next time, fly on. <laughs>